Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. sailors and welcome to not just a sports report very exciting today as per the title not just a sports report well today we are veering away from the sporting element and we're going back to one of the core elements one of the foundation elements of this podcast in fact the first ever podcast i did was about this television show if you haven't guessed it by now If you haven't read the title, which would be absurd, that body of yours is absurd, well, let me fill you in as to what is happening today. It's Survivor, season 43, baby. I've been up and about. Now, I've already watched the episode. I like to watch it once as a fan and then go back and watch it again and do my podcasting on it, write my notes, etc., etc. But I was up and about Thursday very excited. I can't tell you a better theme song as well, a better opening track than the Survivor song. Survivor's music, Ancient Voices, gets me every time. So I was up and about Thursday, very excited about the return of Survivor and season 43. Pretty incredible to believe. 43 seasons. Now I am still upset that it's only like what, 26 days on the United States season, I do prefer the longer seasons. The more Survivor, the better. I know that the gameplay is more frantic with less days. You see bigger moves made, but I I like the more days. I've got to say, the Australian Survivor, that definitely puts plenty of lead in my pencil, given that you get a hell of a lot of days on the Australian one. And that's what I like. You even get multiple episodes during the week. So I love that, very excited for the Australian Survivor to come back. But today, it is all about the premiere episode of Survivor Season 43. We've got two hours as well, giving us a bit of a lengthy episode to sink our teeth into. I am very happy about that. And basically, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna watch the episode, And I'll give thoughts as we go along as to what's happening. Uh, If you haven't watched the episode, I'll try and clue you in as to what's going on. But I'm not going to do a full kind of recap and break everything down moment by moment. I'm just going to kind of give some first impressions on our cast. We've got three tribes this season. I believe six uh, six people per tribe. So I'm going to give some first impressions, feedback going to go through the episode of course I'll go through the challenges as well but typically again I don't like to break the challenges down moment by moment I mean sometimes to even explain the challenge it 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 breaks my brain so what I'll do basically is just go through first impressions give the challenge results who impressed everything like that and although I've already seen the episode I think I'll pick up some more things this second time around. So I've had my first impressions. This, I guess, my second impression, you could say. But there are some members of the cast that I really like. I'll jump into them in a moment. But what else is there to do now but actually get amongst the episode? So I'm about to switch it on and I'll be going... What I'm going to do is, because they've got the little ad breaks. Uh, For each ad break, what I'm going to do is hit pause. I'll come record, give my thoughts, and let's break down this episode. Really keen to see what this season's players have to offer. The last couple of seasons being very entertaining to watch. So here we are, Survivor Season 43. Let's get amongst it. making their way to the beach 
on the boat and we're getting a bit of a taste. We're getting some names, we're getting some faces, or at least I'm getting some faces. I can try and describe what they look like to you if you want. And we're getting just a little bit of a snippet of a couple of people's story. So the first person on this cast that we get to know is Noelle. Now, she is actually missing her leg. She's got one of those prosthetic, there we go, nearly blanked on the word, had a prosthetic leg. So she's an amputee who has gone on since losing her leg to become a Paralympian, a record-breaking Paralympian as well. So, I mean, there's a juicy banger of a story right there. Narrative central from the very first player. So, Noelle, definitely going to be interesting to see how her story goes. We've got Mariah, who is very colourful. She's a teacher, and she spoke about how, look, people always say, I'm not here to make friends. Well, she said she is here to make friends, which is absolutely possible. I mean, you see former cast members all the time who are very close to each other. They become great friends after the show. But at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of lying and deception going on. So it's not the easiest time to be rolling around or maybe rather not the best time to be trying to make friends. Now, after Mariah, we had Sammy, who is 19 years old. Could have had me fooled. He looks about 30. Uh, but he's 19. One of his jobs, he said he had a few different things going on. Um, one of his things was that he cremates people's pets. Now, of course, the pets are already dead, but I mean, my cat is literally sitting right next to me right now. I'm like, I don't know. It's just a weird weird job. I don't know how I would feel about incinerating cats and dogs. Um, but he can do it. So look, if you can incinerate a puppy or a dog, I, I feel like you can lie in the game of Survivor and deceive. So already, Sammy strikes me as someone who could be a bit of a dangerous player. Although maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed. He did describe himself as energible. He said, I'm not sure whether that is even a word. Uh, Sammy, that is not a word. Energible. Um, so he's energible. He literally fucking burns people's former pets to ashes. Which, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, well, that's just, I don't know. I guess everyone needs to make a buck somehow. Now, after Sammy, we had Lindsay. She's a bit more of a mature-aged player. Um, she's a forensic nurse, and she said Survivor has been around longer than her husband, than her children. Like, this has been on the bucket list for quite some time. Then we have Carla. Now, just on the eye, which is not the best way to judge people, I really like Carla, first impressions. I like her tattoos. She looks like a player that I'm going to end up being a fan of. But of course... You never judge a book by its cover, so I like Carla going off very early impressions, but I don't have a lot of information to base that assumption off. After that, we have Cody, who is an elevator salesman. Another strange job. How do you sell elevators? I suppose there are plenty of places that need them. Shopping centers, apartments... So, yeah, that's the first time, though, that I've ever heard of an elevator salesman. Now, I don't want to be too judgmental, but Cody, just from the way he's talking and carrying himself, as well as being an elevator salesman, we may have an early contender for Dirtbag of the Season. And I don't want to cast too many judgments. He may actually be the most lovely guy of this entire season. But he has got a bit of cheeky dirtbag energy where he may try and pull a few Swifties throughout the season. So we'll wait and see how that goes with Cody. And we get a look at another player called Ellie. She's a psychologist and she speaks about how she's going to trick people into doing things that they don't want to do. So we'll have to keep tabs on how all of that goes. But now the players pull up to the beach. 
Who else is there to welcome them than Jeff Probst himself, my idol, my hero? Any time I've had to answer the question of if you could have three people at a dinner table, alive or dead, who would you have? Jeff Probst is always in my rotation. I would love to sit down for dinner with that man. Or not even dinner. I would just love to interact with Jeff Probst in any environment. So Probst welcomes the players. Get around it. Season 43. They are all here. And what a moment. Now we get a couple more stories. Probst brings it out of some of the players. We have Janine whose father was a Chinese immigrant and started very humble beginnings as a potato farmer, I believe she said. And now he's right up there in the medical world. And for Janine, she said this is beyond her family's wildest dreams. So again, we have another very interesting narrative. Uh, We get to meet a couple more players. We have James, an African-American from Philadelphia, And James is a day one fan. He says he's been watching ever since Richard Hatch was sitting in that tree. And James also mentioned how he was able to draw inspiration from Earl's survivor win many seasons ago, seeing a fellow black man take it out and to have that representation to see someone who looked like him and to see that that was possible. So that's one of the beauties of the modern day survivor If I had to chuck up some pros and cons, con, 26 days. I don't really like it. I liked the 39 days. And apparently, 26 days is here to stay. So I'm kind of just processing that change. Sometimes, you know, we don't like change at first and it ends up being okay. But a con of the modern day survivor, 26 days. I don't know, I like a longer season more days as well. 26 days, I'm like, I could probably fucking, you know, live on an island for 26 days. That's not too long. Uh, So look, the con 26 days, but I think the biggest pro is the diversity mandate that has been in for the last couple of seasons. It's brought together a much more like wide variety or a much more varied cast with different backgrounds, different stories, representing different groups too. So instead of just, you know, the one basically textbook Caucasians, mostly across the board, maybe one African-American, maybe one Asian here or there. Now it's much more balanced across the board. You can have people from all different racial backgrounds, sexualities, and all things like that, who can see a player on Survivor that truly does represent them, which I think is exciting. So I love the diversity mandate. And for players like James, well, this shapes as a great opportunity for them to go on and win the game because no longer are they put in the position where they are the minority within the tribe. Now it is truly balanced across the board. I like the stories too. Everyone's got a very interesting story. It's nice that everyone has a different background as well. And I I think the diversity mandate has been one of the best inclusions Survivor has ever made across all 43 seasons. However, 26 days, it's a no from me. I want bring back 39, bring back 39. Anyway, getting to some more of the players that we are meeting. We meet Gabler, Mike Gabler. And I love this guy's outfit. He was the first to jump off the screen for me. I don't know whether that tells me that my representation is like old men, older men, white guys. Uh, I don't know if that's like my group, but I think what he was wearing, I really liked his shirt, Gabler. He's got nice little facial hair setup going on. And I don't know, I just liked his outfit. He looked like a funky kind of older gentleman straight off the bat and he's one of my early favorites is Gabler. We also meet Noelle. She was the one who I mentioned at the very start, the amputee, also a Paralympian. And she actually spoke about how she lost her leg after she applied the first time for the game. 
So this wasn't a thing that she was born with. This is something that she's had to adjust to. And she spoke about how now Survivor, it really celebrates the fact that everyone has differences and things like that. So maybe in a season one to ten, this could have really hurt her. We have seen an amputee on the game before. I can't remember his name. Was it Chad? I don't know. If his name was Chad, that's huge for me to pull that out of my brain. Um, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna check. I don't. Can't be bothered. But Noel, now she's in a really good position. Back in the day, that is definitely something you could be singled out for, and that people could say like, "Well, here's a perceived weakness." People don't realize she's a Paralympian. She's probably stronger than half the people in the game. So for Noel. She's definitely right. Survivor now, more so than ever, is all about celebrating differences. And I'm very interested to see how Noel goes throughout this game. We get introduced to our tribes. We have our tribe names. Now in red, we have Vessi, made up of Cody, the elevator salesman. We have Dwight, who we haven't been introduced to yet. An African-American looks pretty young on the eye. Uh, but we haven't heard anything about Dwight yet. Vessi also is made up of Jesse. We've got Justine, who, look, I don't want to go down that route or down this route, but she's very beautiful, I gotta say. And I that's that's my first impression. Sorry about it. Uh, Nanika, uh, I'll have to get the pronunciation of that right. I believe she's Nigerian, but yet to get any real background on her, so I'll wait and see. I'll come back with that. And of course, Noel, the amputee. So Vessi, made up of Cody, Dwight, Jesse, Justine, Nanika, and Noel. Then in yellow, we have the Barker tribe. We have Mariah, who's the teacher. Very colorful. She's got like the dreadlocks, all different colors. Her outfit is like a rainbow. On the eye, look, she looks like a ray of sunshine. Looks like someone that you would love to have on your tribe. Very positive, very good energy about her. So I think it's good that she's a teacher. She seems like she has that wholesome teacher energy. So I like what I see from Mariah early. Also on Barker, we have Gabler. You already know, I like what I see early from Gabler. We have Owen, and I really like Owen as well. He's a um, young Asian fella. He's got the glasses, and not that he's got the glasses, I don't know what that really means, but look, I really like Owen as well. He spoke about, at the start of the episode, how his dream was to see his name up on that Survivor intro, so they gave him that little, you know, Owen, boom, you get to see his name, and I'm a fan of all this tribe, I must say. I mean, Gabler, Mariah, Owen, I like all three of them already. Then we have Ali, who was the psychologist. We've got Janine, whose father was the Chinese immigrant. And I like Janine too. And then, of course, Sammy, who burns people's pets for a living. Probably my least favorite. Not that I have to pick a least favorite from the um, tribe. And it must be said, the pets are dead. He's not fucking killing them. <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like it would take... A different kind of person to incinerate someone's pet but hey you can't judge a person by their profession every time so we'll give Sammy a chance and moving on to our third and final tribe we have Coco in blue made up of Cassidy haven't really seen anything on her yet Geo don't know anything about them either we've got James from Philadelphia we have been introduced to him. We've got Carla, who, as I mentioned, just going on what I see, I'm a fan of, but know very little about her so far. Lindsay, the forensic nurse, and we've got Ryan as well. So our three tribes in red, Vessi, yellow, Barker, and in blue, Coco. With that being said, let's get amongst our first reward challenge. Now, for this one, they had to build, like, a crate made up of different pieces. Then one of them has to jump up on top of the crate. They've got a pole, 
and they have to retrieve, I believe it was a piece of flint that is hanging up high. Poor description, but yeah, this challenge, I'm not going to go fully in depth, but what I am going to say is that all the tribes, they were neck and neck right at the end. So all three of them were in it at that final stage where they're trying to retrieve the flint, and it's Cody, my early contender for Dirtbag of the Season, coming through with the clutch call. He tells Dwight, who's up on top of the box, he says, why don't you put the flint inside the pole and use that to bring it up and take it off. Now, if you haven't actually seen this episode, if you don't really know what I'm talking about, I, don't, I can't really explain this one very well. So look, hopefully you have seen it. Um, but yeah, it was actually the most clutch call from Cody very early on. My perceptions, maybe not accurate. I called the guy a dirtbag and he's come through with a massive call. Dwight does exactly what Cody suggests. He puts the flint inside the pole and they win it. Vessi get it done. So Vessi are the first tribe to win reward. They win a pot, machete, as well as a flint which may not sound like much, but in the game of Survivor, that is everything. So a huge early advantage to the Vessi tribe, mainly thanks to Cody. So Vessi get it done, they win reward, and I've got to give it to my man, the elevator salesman Cody. That's a huge play, not just to get himself going, but also to get his tribe up and moving. First reward of the season, going to Vessi, and speaking of going places, well, we've now gone into the ad breaks. So I'm going to go back now and watch the next little segment of this episode, and then I will be back. But first impressions? Well, maybe Cody's not such a dirtbag after all. All right, we come back from the ad break on the Vessi Beach. As all of the victorious Vessi tribe start to get to know each other. So we see Cody... He says that he works for an elevator company and Neka, so not Neneka, uh, it's actually just Neka. Um, she is Nigerian, so I'm interested to see what she has to offer this season. Still yet to really get to know her and what she's got going on. We've also got Justine, the software salesman, her words, so she sells software. Got a couple of salespeople as well within this tribe. We've got Dwight, who was pretty much the one who got them victorious, or got them to the victory. Fucking my English, very poor right now. And we've got Jesse and Noel as well. Now we get a look at the Barker tribe, going over to Barker. And look, they are easily the most positive tribe in the game. It is Kumbaya to the maximum. Everyone's friends, they're all laughing, smiling. You could be forgiven for thinking that this isn't Survivor, that this is just friendship holiday. They are all getting along absolutely famously. And we see a few members of the tribe, including Gabler, who speaks about how he's the oldest of his tribe. So he knows he's got to pick his moves carefully because we've seen it before where the older people within the tribe, they can be picked off. Gabler, he is well aware of that. And as Baka get back to their camp, well, they find out, along with Coco, the other tribe, that the two losing tribes from Reward are going to have a chance to win the very same supplies that Vessi were able to. And it's a bit of a challenge here. They get to make a choice, and they've got four hours to get this done. They can choose the sweat option, so they're going to have to physically exert themselves to be able to try and get these supplies, or they can choose the savvy option. They get to choose a puzzle, um, even that, like I would definitely go the sweat. I'm not the most savvy bloke going. So they have two options, sweat or savvy. And with Bucker, well, they've decided to go for the savvy option. Owen, he kind of knows that if two people peel off and leave everyone else to their own devices, well, all of a sudden, that's going to open up some vulnerability for the two who've decided to go away. Even as early as day one, the lines can be drawn. So for Baka, they are going to go with the savvy option. 
And as far as their puzzle, they've been given a set of four bones and the tribe need to move two of the bones to create the largest possible number. They can only move the bones once and it's fair to say this savvy challenge, it hurts my brain. It hurts my brain. I would have definitely done the sweat. Hopefully for the Barker tribe, someone is a puzzle master. Now over at Coco, they are given the same option, but Coco decide to choose the sweat option. So they're gonna go for the more physical of the two and only two people get to go. So they're gonna have to take two that go and do the sweat option. The rest of the tribe are gonna stay back at camp and it'll be very interesting to see whether any gameplay goes on during this time. We see Gio and Ryan from Coco. They put their hand up. They are gonna go with the sweat option and they basically, they have a big large area that they have to cover and yeah, they've got four hours to do it. Now, Ryan comes up with an idea. Instead of just digging aimlessly, what they're gonna do is they are gonna go in an X formation. So Ryan believes that is the best way to cover the most ground, the X formation across the grid, and hopefully somewhere along the way, they are able to find their supplies. Now, for Ryan, he says this is not this is not unusual for him to think outside the box. Ryan was born prematurely with mild cerebral palsy. The doctor told his mum he would never be able to walk. So for Ryan, it's been a whole lifetime of thinking outside the box and having to really challenge himself. Now we've seen in this environment of Survivor, well, that has built him up into a character who is very strong within himself and who's not afraid to make the right call at the right time as well. Now, X marks the spot too. Ryan and Geo find their supplies within 30 minutes of their allotted four hour time frame. That is a real game changer from Ryan and an early sign that this guy is definitely a key addition to his tribe. Back at Barker, well, they went the savvy option and it was Sammy who solved the puzzle. Now the 19 year old, he didn't want to show his hand too early. He believes that he is a puzzle master. So there's clearly more than what meets the eye with this pet incinerator. He ends up showing his hand. He's great at puzzles and he solves it for the tribe. He gets the puzzle done. Who would have thought the 19 year old is the one who solves it for his tribe. Now, Sammy also told his tribe that he was 22 years old. So they don't know that he's 19 and they certainly don't know that we may have a bit of a puzzle wizard on our hands. So now every tribe has their supplies. For Vessi, they earned it in the first reward challenge. For Coco, they did it physically. Ryan really coming up clutch with his X formation. And for Baka, well, it was the youngest bloke on the tribe, Sammy, coming up with the goods. Now everybody has their supplies. Well, everybody except myself. Now we've hit the ad breaks. I'm going to go get some supplies from the fridge. I'm a little bit peckish and I'm going to sink my teeth back into this next part of Survivor. I'll be back in a moment. Survivor 43, episode one. And now what I'm going to do from break to break is more just give my takeaways on and little things and any information that we get about the players. So going forward, this kind of review will be less of a recap. This podcast will be more so for people who've actually watched the episode or into the season following everything. So it'll be more chat around what's actually going on gameplay wise and things like that. So I'm going to jump into a couple of takeaways from the next portion of the premiere that I've seen. And look, there are alliances slowly starting to form amongst the different tribes. At Vesey, look, it's still early days, so it's more of a watch this space. But we do see 
Some moves being made at Vessi. Justine, she's really starting to bond with Noel, so that's a, a potential matchup there. Although Cody, look, he's a salesman himself, but he's actually gunning for the sales rep, Justine. He wants to get rid of the salesperson. He obviously knows that, yeah, the salespeople, pretty good manipulators, things like that. So Cody, look, his tribe, they don't know that he's a sales rep. So we've got a bit of sales rep beef here. He's going after Janine. Janine and Noel seemingly aligned together. And look, Vessi, it's going to be interesting to see which kind of moves they make and where the lines are drawn exactly, which we won't know until they've been to a tribal council. We also, uh, over on Baka, the Baka tribe, we get to hear a pretty traumatic, to be honest, story from Ellie about her sister who passed away a drug overdose in 2020. So it's interesting. We're getting a good amount of knowledge about all these players we're getting to learn their background, their story, and this is exactly what the first episode is perfect for. Sometimes you, you don't really get any information on the players, so the more info the better. Learned plenty about Ellie, what makes her tick, some of her motivation for actually being out here, and her sharing that very personal information with her tribe has clearly brought everyone closer together. So very much on the uh, Baka tribe, it is Kumbaya. Everybody is getting along famously. It, they're the best of friends. The absolute best of friends. So whether that translates into their challenge performance remains to be seen. But in terms of morale, getting stuff done, Baka are getting along famously. They've got the fire going. And interestingly, not a lot of strategic gameplay. We did see Gabler kind of pull Ellie to the side and talked about, he asked us like, oh, so you're a metalhead. And I'm not a huge heavy metal guy, but when he mentioned Mastodon, I was like, fucking oath. Love myself some Mastodon. So I, I like Gabler even more. I already liked him. Now I like him even more. And Ellie, she's not a huge metalhead. She's just kind of taking what she could. Apparently her sister enjoyed heavy metal so she kind of just been name dropping things that she only really knows loosely through her sister but this is kind of at the Barker tribe the first instance of actual strategic gameplay we see a handshake as well between Gabler and between Ellie so it will be interesting going forward whether they decide to work with each other as for the Coco tribe it's seemingly an all-female alliance that is starting to build, although James has been brought into that. I'm just trying to work out the lady's name. I forgot already. This is a problem with the uh, the first episodes. I, I do struggle trying to remember everybody's bloody name. Lindsay. So Lindsay, the forensic nurse, uh, she's actually made a bit of a play. Now, all the girls at Coco, Carla, Lindsay, and Cassidy, They've basically teamed up. They've said, let's form an all-woman alliance. However, Lindsay is really keen to bring James into that. And then on the other side, for Carla, well, she struck up a very strong connection with Geo. So whilst the all-female alliance was the first thing to get floated, we're seeing stronger connections beginning to be established. For Carla and Geo both of them from the LGBTQ community, and so they can understand each other on a much different level. Carla spoke about how her partner's parents still not open to the relationship, and it seemingly feels like that's the go for Geo as well and his own relationship, except it's his parents who aren't as accepting. So they've definitely formed a bond and as quickly as the all-female alliance was brought up, it seems to be going a different way. Carla and Gio definitely vibing. Same goes for Lindsay and James. So I'm, I'm very intrigued with Coco as to where the vote will go should they go to tribal council.
Now we hit an ad break once again. Uh, no shout out required to ad breaks. It's one of the shittest concepts in the world. Uh, side tangent, but yeah, I just... Ad breaks, there's too many fucking ads. Way too many ads for everything. Can I not just watch a television show without like half an hour of it being ads, unfortunately? But that's my rage on ads. But as we get back into the Survivor premiere episode, we get to learn a little bit about Jesse. Now, he's a fella on the Vessi tribe, and we haven't really heard anything about him up until this stage, but he shares with the tribe he was formerly a gang member, had tattoos on his face, on his head, and he spent some time in Juvenile Hall. So he's wrote those lows, he sat in Juvenile Hall, and thought maybe his life had gotten away from him. However, whilst Jesse was in Juvenile Hall, well, they worked out during some testing, very bright bloke, actually very intelligent. So from that point, he took himself from Juvenile Hall and has since blossomed into, yeah, a man in the, since then. So he's got a PhD in political science. And look, he's not just representing his culture and things like that, but he's also representing that demographic of kids who are doing it tough. Maybe those kids who are in Juvenile Hall who if they're allowed to watch Survivor, I don't know, I haven't been in Juvenile Hall before, uh, but if they're allowed to watch Survivor, well, even those blokes, and guys and girls, can get represented and see, like, you know what? It is possible to turn things around. So I really like Jesse. He is now also one of my early favourites. And as they're kind of sharing stories at Vessi, we see a boat rock up to camp. Now, we've seen this in the last couple of seasons, players going away for potential advantages and things like that with members of opposition tribes. But the interesting catch here is that it's season 43. So we saw this in season 42. We saw it in season 41. The difference being the players in 41 had no idea what was going on. The players in season 42, let's not forget... Season 41 and 42 filmed back to back. So the season 42 players had no clue what was going on either. In season 43, these players have seen this happen over two seasons. They know there's the potential for the advantage. And I'm sure they know about the potential of players losing votes as well. So I'm really interested to see how they go about it this time, knowing what they know. Now, one person's got to get on the boat from each tribe, and they will return to camp later in the afternoon. For Vessi, it is Dwight, the young fella. For Baka, Gabler. And for Coco, we have Carla. So, I like that mix. It's a bit of an interesting mix there. Carla, Gabler, and Dwight going on our first advantage of the season, or first adventure. We don't know if there's going to be an advantage. We do know there's potential for that. And what there's also potential for is for these players to network with players of the opposite tribe. So if they are to make it to merge, well, they can link up. Always very interesting seeing players from opposite tribes mix. And as they're kind of going out on the boat, we also get some insight into Carla, who, as I mentioned at the start, I really liked the look of her, but didn't really know anything about her. So Carla was explaining she's the daughter of two Mexican immigrants. She grew up poor and she was the first in her family to graduate high school and college. So for Carla, she's kind of breaking a cycle here and she's really becoming the one to lift her family name up. So good on her and look, she's on Survivor. So what more could you bloody possibly want? Even if you didn't graduate high school. If I had a choice, like, you can either graduate high school or go on Survivor, I know which one I'd choose. Now, we get to the advantage part, and it's, it's secretive. So the players don't know what one another are doing, and they get to decide whether they want to risk their vote for a shot at advantage. And basically how it works, if two of the players decide to risk their vote, then one will gain an advantage and one will lose their vote. And yeah, we've seen this before. We've seen different iterations of this over the last couple of seasons. 
And the basic premise, you either get an advantage or you lose your vote, or you can decide to just protect your vote and stay out of this one. Now, Carla, she decides to protect her vote, whilst Gabler and Dwight, they risk their votes. And the intriguing part here is that they don't reveal the result at this particular adventure. They are going to go back, Gabler and Dwight, and in their own time back at camp, that is when they're going to find out whether they have gained an advantage or whether at this crucial stage in the game, literally day dot, whether they are going to lose their vote at the next tribal council. So it's 50-50 between Gabler and Dwight. One is going to gain an advantage, one loses their vote. And as they return to camp, look, as I mentioned, the last couple of seasons, we have seen this. The players on this season have seen similar adventures go down. So they are a lot better equipped than some of the cast of recent seasons to be able to, you know, make judgments, piece things together. And for the players that went on the advantage, it makes it that much harder to kind of deceive people because they probably have a fair idea on what has happened and they would have been talking about it at camp while these players were away. Now Dwight, he tells Vessi the truth, says how it all went down, but Cody is skeptical. So Cody, he doesn't believe Dwight, not that he's telling him that, but so far in the very early stages of the game, Cody, I think, is playing the game the hardest. Now, for the grand reveal, we see Gabler earns an immunity idol. So that can be used at one of the first two tribal councils. Gabler is safe. He decided to risk his vote, and now in turn, he's come away with an idol. That can only mean one thing, Dwight has lost his vote at the next tribal council. Not what you want, most definitely not what you want, when the battle lines haven't even been drawn. He doesn't know who has his back. For all he knows, while he was on this adventure, everyone may have teamed up and said, why don't we just vote Dwight if it comes to it? So for Dwight, that is a really, really crucial blow. And look, if they go to the next tribal council, he could find himself in a lot of trouble. So Gabler earning immunity, Dwight losing his vote. Now we go to one of the many ad breaks, which now you know how I feel about ads. Fucking way too many of them. But no vote for Dwight. Gabler, an immunity idol. We have our first idol in play this season. I'll be back in a moment with more thoughts on the Survivor 43 premiere. and we return from the ad break for the first immunity challenge of the season. Two tribes set to earn their safety, but for one of these tribes, the unenviable position of heading to the first tribal council of the season. And there's nothing worse, there's nothing more anxiety-inducing than the thought of being the first voted out. Gone before your story can even begin for one of these players, that is the very grim reality. Now, it's an obstacle course challenge here. They've got a few different legs. And at the end, there are three different like games to choose from. There's a maze. They're essentially, fucking the best way I can describe it is you want to get three balls into a hole. There are three different games. There's a maze. There's an obstacle course. And there's a straight shot. All three, you just want to get those three balls in. But they are different degrees or differing degrees of difficulty, which is very interesting too. So there is kind of going to be a punishment for the side that are last to select their game. Now at the start to the challenge, it's muddy as hell. They've got to crawl underneath these beams. That already looks so uncomfortable. And it's a great visual as all of the players across the game going through that mud and it's really slowing them down already. Now, the second part of the challenge, they've got to dig through sand enough so to get themselves underneath a beam. And we see the other tribes, 
Vessi and Coco managed to do this relatively easy, about as easily as you could. But Janine, for Barker, she messes it up big time. She's taking way too long. And she's actually the smallest, so she should be the one most likely to get under the beam quickest. But for Janine, maybe being smallest as well means that she hasn't got as much strength to dig. And she's so far behind now. Janine is still trying to get underneath that beam. And for the other two tribes, they've already selected their game. So in that final stage, we see Janine's mistake has cost her team majorly, who are going to get by far the most difficult and complex of the three games. Now we see Coco, they have the maze, so they've got to work their balls through like a board with a maze on it. And that's definitely the easiest of the three. For Vessi, they have a straight shot, which is a little bit more complex. You've got to really try and get your aim perfect, but still a lot easier than the obstacle course that Barker find themselves with, where that one looks incredibly hard to finish. Like the significance between the difficulty of the obstacle course and the other ones is huge. There's a major discrepancy. So it's fair to say Janine has really cost her team here. And we see Coco, they win immunity. Now they had the maze, they had the easiest of the three, and they were also leading when it came to that point. So they gave themselves the advantage of being able to choose their game first, and it's paid off big time. Coco win immunity, leaving Barker head-to-head -head with Vessi, and Vessi end up getting it done. Barker, their, their obstacle course was incredibly hard. They were pretty much destined to head to Tribal Council. So with that, Coco and Vessi... They earn themselves immunity, another day guaranteed in this game. And for Barker, they've got to go to Tribal Council. Very interesting, given what I've mentioned earlier in the podcast. They are very kumbaya. A, a lot of positive vibes, good energy, not a lot of strategy talk, if any. In fact, Sammy, the 19-year-old, he says to the camera crew, the game begins now. There has been no strategy chat with Embarker, so it is sure to be a chaotic afternoon back at camp. As we return back at Barker post-challenge, and look, they've all been confronted with the very harsh reality that although they may love each other, very much kumbaya, someone has to go. Now, Gabler, as they get back to camp, he actually puts his hand up and takes accountability for the loss. Now, Gabler and Sammy, they were on that final stage on the obstacle course, but I don't know, like maybe I missed something. Of course, they would have a much better perspective of what went down than me, who's just watching like the edited version but in my opinion Janine was very clearly the weak link in that challenge it was her stalling and her inability to get underneath the beam that cost them all the time that was where they lost their time and they were given the hardest of all three games so I think for Gabler I don't know like I like that he took accountability but they were never they were never going to win once it, once they came last and were given that obstacle course. Like, that was easily the hardest out of all of them. Janine, just from what I saw, I think that was down to her. But Gabler, he's made a very bold call. He has an immunity idol, but he said that since he thinks that he's accountable, he doesn't want to save himself from the vote. And Gabler... He talks about how he's going to play his shot in the dark at Tribal Council. Now, that would be a huge move. We have never seen a shot in the dark played successfully, at least to my knowledge. We've seen a few over the last couple of seasons, but I can't remember anybody successfully playing it. Now, you lose your vote 
if you go for the one in six chance as well. So for Gabler, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You should only really play this if you feel like you're an absolute certainty to get voted out. And look, it was a huge move on paper, but the tribe have seemingly talked him out of it. Ellie's just saying, look, you're not, you're not going to be the vote. Don't lose your vote. You know, we need, we need the numbers here. So Ellie convinces Gabler not to use his shot in the dark. Interesting, though, that that's already on his mind. Maybe he'll be pulling that out a bit later in the season. That is if he can survive this upcoming vote. I think he will, though. The two names that seemingly are being bandied about, Mariah and Owen. Now, for Mariah, they're saying that maybe she's the weakest of the tribe. Now, maybe she struggled at the challenge more than I saw, but I feel like if anyone was the weakness, if they're going to go on that basis, I, I think Janine. But Mariah and Owen, they are the two names on people's lips. And for uh, Ellie, there is a gender dilemma. Now, her and Janine have been talking. If they vote out Mariah, then all of a sudden, they're outnumbered by the males three to two. Now, that could leave them vulnerable. It could certainly leave them in the minority. So it looks like potentially they're going to go the way of Owen, which I don't like. I'm a really big fan of Owen, and I'll be devastated if he doesn't even get through the first tribal. And speaking of tribal, well, we are going to get amongst tribal council right now. And for Bucker, the lack of strategic gameplay has really surprised Jeff Probst. Surprised? That's a new word. Um, but they've come in. They still seemingly don't really have any alliances. There's no strategy at play. And Probst can't believe it. He's actually like, you fucking rookies. Are you serious? No one's backstabbing. No one's lying or deceiving. Probst is shocked. He's like, it's season 43. Have you not seen this show before? There's less days than ever. Realistically, that should speed up the process. So Probst, I reckon deep within himself, he's actually disgusted. He's like, I'm actually off you guys. You're seriously all mates? Do you know what tribal council is? So Probst, he can't believe it. The tribe, they thought that they would be the final six. That is more than wishful thinking. That is straight up just ludicrous. They've been kumbaya from the get-go, but now they've been forced into a position where the claws are going to have to come out. Now, I can't believe that people haven't singled Janine out. I know I keep mentioning her, but I thought that was the blatantly obvious reason as to why they lost. Does that mean that I would personally vote her out? Maybe not. Strategically, that might not be the play. But if they're talking on the basis of voting out the weakest member of their tribe when it comes to challenges and things like that, well, you only have a small sample size. And I feel like Janine was clearly the weak link in that challenge. But perhaps they've seen more weakness from Mariah. They've done the reward challenge. They've also done the immunity. So there's a two challenge sample size. And maybe that's why Mariah's in the firing line. Maybe they've seen something that I haven't to suggest that she is the weak link. As for Owen, I feel like he's been pulling his weight. So I really hope that he doesn't go early. And look, when this tribal council started, very much a united tribe, a happy tribe, all friends. But now, right before the vote, you can tell the game is well and truly underway. There is tension amongst the tribe. And whichever of these six are voted out, they are going to be left with deep regrets over whether they should have played the game harder, which they absolutely should have. Whoever goes here is going to rue that opportunity because no one's been strategizing, no one's been playing an aggressive game. And look, you, sometimes you don't want to come out too aggressive because that can put you in the firing line. But there is no doubt whoever goes here is going to look back on this as a missed opportunity. 
you only have 26 days, it's not 39 days anymore, so it really doesn't allow you time to settle in and find your feet. It is go time from the moment you step foot on the beach. Now, speaking of the actual Tribal Council votes, let's get to them. Jeff Probes, ready to read the votes. Fucking oath, it is so good to have Survivor back. I feel content, all is right with the world. I I can sleep easy at night. I don't have to wonder when Survivor coming back. It's back, baby. How good. Now, as for the actual votes, first vote is for Mariah. Second vote, Owen. One vote Mariah, one vote Owen. Next vote is for Mariah. Fourth vote for Mariah. And the first person voted out of Survivor 43. Arguably the most vibrant. Definitely the most colourful. I mean, she is a treat on the eye. I love all the colour that's been going on. But unfortunately, that doesn't count for much here. Mariah is the first person voted out of Survivor 43. And look, we're starting to see what Baka are all about. I must say, I didn't get a lot of insight into the Coco tribe throughout this first episode, so I am interested to see going forward what the go is there. We got to know quite a bit about the Vesi tribe, but then here in Tribal Council, we've got our first taste of an actual vote out. We have an idea of where people stand, which right now is as a united front. All five of them united to put their votes on Mariah, so at least there's not an early divide. But they are going to have to learn very quickly that the five of them are not going to get through this game altogether. There are going to be more that have to go, and so it's going to be a very intriguing process. But Mariah, she gets the very unenviable honour or dishonour, of being voted out first. She even said at the start of the episode she wanted to make friends here. Well, they all look like friends. It definitely looks like she's made at least five friends. But I don't know. Maybe she should have been working harder. Make a couple of friends, not everybody. Maybe make a couple of uh, enemies. Enemies? Fuck, just what? I can't even speak English now. But Mariah... She's gone skis. So now we have a bit of a clearer idea with Baka. They seem to be the friendly Kumbaya tribe. But if I had to pick a snake in the grass, Sammy. He incinerates pets for goodness sake. He literally burns cute animals. Uh, They're dead, of course, beforehand. But I feel like if there's someone who's able to make a cold, calculated and ruthless move, move? English, fuck. It's going to be the guy who can incinerate a dog. I feel like even if it was dead, that'd be a hard, sad thing to do. So I'm picking Sammy as my snake in the grass. I think he's got some real devious moves up his 19-year-old sleeves. And with that being said, that is the premiere episode of Survivor 43. I apologize, it wasn't the best podcast I've ever put out. Um... I think I'm going to change the format next. So instead of going through the entire episode, I think I might start with the vote out, who gets voted out, and discuss all the big points of the episode. I feel like I can structure this a little bit better. I don't need to recap the whole episode. Essentially, this podcast is going to be for people who've actually been watching or are at least somewhat up to date with the season. And then I can just speak about the big plays, some of the alliances, the decisions on the votes, and challenge performances. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. If you hated it, I'm sorry. I don't know how you're still here if you hated it. Uh, But if you enjoyed it, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate the support. And I'm going to spend the rest of this week kind of looking at how I want to structure the Survivor 43 podcasts make them the most listener friendly and look if you've seen the episode you don't need me to run down each moment from the episode so I think it'd be better to talk about the talking points and really get into it from a fan's perspective so going forward I'm going to structure it a little bit differently and I'm really excited to hear your feedback 
So if you've got any feedback at all, maybe it's something you'd like to hear or an addition to the Survivor content, maybe there was an aspect that you didn't like and maybe you'd think a bit less of that, well, if you hit us up on Instagram at notjustasportsreport, swing us a DM. Your wife send me DMs, as uh, Conor McGregor once said, except not your wife, it'll be you in my DMs. And just let me know, maybe stuff you liked, maybe things you didn't like, are there any questions you'd like answered on the future podcasts? I'm open to suggestions, open to feedback as well, and help me help you. You know, I just want to make this as entertaining as possible, and going into the next one, I'm going to really work to make it as fan-friendly as possible and really tick all the boxes for those who love Survivor as much as I do. That's it from me today, though. Mariah, the first voted out of Season 43. There is still plenty more action to come, a lot of twists, a lot of turns, and we're still yet to see our first big old blindside. Nothing like a blindside watching someone get fucked over to the absolute maximum. Well, I love a bit of lies, love a bit of deceit. Blindside, well, we may see one next week. We're going to have to wait and stay posted, though. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and take care of yourselves. Thank you.